Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. going on everyone welcome back to another edition of the palace of pistons podcast brought to you by believe aaron johnson and jasper apollonia here with you this week for the show jasper my friend not a whole whole lot going on in pistons land but we're back here this week to talk about what's what the very little bit that is going on is we really get towards these these final games of the year how are you doing my friend I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, you know, I missed the last podcast, so I wasn't here for the Pistons, uh, what, second win in their last 20-some-odd games or whatever it is, um, which was sad. But don't worry, folks. They're back on another four-game losing streak, and Buddy Bayheim is playing more than ever. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm trying to think. Aaron, did we did we put my the new little uh intro that i made for for this week is that going to be playing at the beginning of this podcast it will be it will be so super excited that was a creation by the man himself jasper so uh jasper put that together and for those of you that that are here now you just got the your first official look at the new palace of pistons podcast intro shout out jasper that was some great stuff Yes, yes. I also loved listening to it. Um, like we like we both just did live for sure. That happened. Uh, for me, that was probably the most exciting thing that happened this last week in terms of the piston. It was either that or Marvin Bagley scoring 31 points. So I <laughs> other than that, we don't have that much more to go. But Aaron, we are coming into the final stretch. Pistons have what nine more games left this season. The we're almost done. April 9th. It's coming up fast. It couldn't be here soon enough with the roster that the Pistons are putting on the court on a nightly basis. Um, just between sitting Bogdanovich and Stewart, Diallo, all those guys. Alec Burks has quietly been shelled. Livers. Well, Isaiah Livers is hurt again. Like, it's just been such a nightmare. And uh, we are we are nearing the end by the grace of, of the powers above. So I think with that... I think we should probably start to get into it. Before we get into it, though, let's talk about our weekly sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting. As we get into March Madness, get analysis of every player, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends only at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games to the Sweet 16, right through to the Final Four and Championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code 
believe B L E A V to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. It's been a crazy March Madness. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's also been nice that the Pistons schedule has not been super, super crazy over the last week, which has made it easier to dive into all of March Madness. Jasper, have you been following along? Do you do you have a team in it that you think looks like they're 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 your team to win it at this point? Or yeah, I mean, I, so for me, I actually had a little bracket going. I've only lost one of my Elite Eight teams so far. So I'm I'm looking pretty good. I'm in, I'm in the 99.7th percentile for brackets. Uh, I have Alabama winning it all. I still think they they look pretty good. But this is gonna sound crazy. The matchup I'm most nervous for in terms of that that bracket is actually their matchup with Tennessee. And I never thought the day would happen where I'd say, yeah, you know, I think that a Rick Barnes coach team is the biggest uh, obstacle in front of a team winning a t- national title. Uh, Rick Barnes and postseason success, not exactly going hand in hand, but I, I think those two teams both have a really great shot at winning it all. Um, and also, I sneakily think FAU has a great chance to make the Final Four. Uh, I put a little bet on them before the tournament started to make it out of the East. So I I, I think they have a really good shot still. I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, we're going to start watching the games right after... Uh, we finished wrapping up this podcast. Michigan State is actually going to be playing in Madison Square Garden. I was thinking about going, and then I saw ticket prices were $250 a piece. So I'm watching it home. <laughs> How about you, Aaron? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I picked Alabama, you know, at the beginning of my bracket. Um, they just, on both sides of the court, seemed like the best team. And Obviously, they're still in it, so I think they got a shot. Didn't think Tennessee would get this far. Um, very excited for the Michigan State-Kansas State game that we're going to be watching right after we finish recording this. Kansas State plays really fun. Also, Texas has been a blast. Uh, yeah. Like they could they could win it, too. Um, March Madness has been great. The theatrics this year have been great. I mean, I said it with my buddies before the tournament started, but really felt like this year was wide open for anyone. Um, and we've seen some crazy matchups. We've seen some crazy upsets. So. I just love everything about March Madness. It's 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 just the absolute best. So, uh, excited to watch it over these this this next weekend, and then we get into that final, you know, the final four championship game. I'm really really excited to see who wins it this year because I think the field is open, even though I'm probably going with the betting favorite uh, in Alabama. Yeah. Oh man, I there's really no reason for me to say this considering it's going to come out after the game is played, but I think Michigan State's going to have their hands full with with noel tonight uh man he's electric electric and the really nice thing about watching these tournament games especially with the pistons not playing is that it does really give you a, a chance to look at some of the players that the pistons might be looking at next year jerris walker uh for houston in the draft obviously brandon miller is a big time topic of conversation uh, for the Pistons, if they land the third pick or even the number two pick in some people's eyes. So it's a really great opportunity also to see what some of these prospects, some of these players of the Pistons are really going to have to be considering, depending on where they land in the draft, what they're able to do in big time moments against big time competition in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Well, one position that the Pistons and Troy Weaver shouldn't be drafting for on draft night 
is the center spot. And that's because the Pistons have quite a few centers on the roster and they're all pretty young. Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley can play some center. They have a lot of bigs on the roster. It's been a storyline that has been a part of this franchise since Troy Weaver took over. And right now he's put together a pretty interesting crop of big men. Not a topic that we haven't talked about uh, before at length, but the the what we're talking about today I think is interesting because there's going to be two sides to this the this discussion and people feel very passionately regarding which side they're on and and that is James Wiseman and Jalen Duran now Wiseman has been the team starting center uh, as shortly after he arrived to Detroit Jalen Duran was out uh, when. The Pistons traded for Wiseman, and since Duran has returned from injury, Wiseman has maintained his stop, spot as the starting center. Jalen Duran's been coming off the bench. I think it's an interesting discussion. I tweeted out uh, before the Hawks game after you know it had been some time since Duran uh, had returned from injury that I thought it was crazy that he was coming off the bench in both Wiseman and Bagley were starting over him. I think the large majority uh, of the people that engaged with that true tweet agreed, but there was a very, very vocal minority who vehemently disagreed. And there were multiple people saying that they believe Wiseman is the more valuable, more important player to this team moving forward than Jalen Duran. Jasper, I, I think I know where you stand on that this that topic as a whole, but mm. what have been your thoughts on how the Pistons have managed James Wiseman and Jalen Duran now that they're both on the roster together and they're both active and playing? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think really one of the biggest reasons why the big men are such a topic of conversation is that the other positions are totally, you know, there's nothing to talk about there. There's nothing to talk about in the backcourt. Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey are the future of that position for this team. There's nothing to talk about on the wings because, well, the Pistons don't have any of them. So the big men really are the, the only true unknown at the moment. When it comes down to it, me personally, like you, I think, correctly assumed, I stand on the side that I think Jalen Duran to me, is a better prospect. I like what James Wiseman has brought offensively in terms of his scoring. And honestly, over the last few games, he's passed it a little better than he had before as well. But I think what Duran brings to your team in terms of rebounding, especially on the offensive glass and in terms of screen setting and in terms of defensive potential, not necessarily defense right at the moment because both he and Wiseman are both really limited defenders as many young big men are. I think what Duran brings to you as a complete player is more intriguing, especially when you bring passing into it. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I was high on Duran when the Pistons drafted him. He showed a lot of passing chops in college when he was playing for Memphis. Uh, the ability to face up a little bit and shoot from eight, 10 feet out. Those were things that he did. He hasn't really done that this year. But that's because he hasn't had much of an opportunity to. And what I've seen from him over the last few weeks is more of those looks. So for me, I think the way I look at it, look, 
I don't agree that Bagley and Wiseman is inherently a better combination than, say, Bagley and Durin or even Wiseman and Durin. I, I don't necessarily think that it makes a meaningful difference there. But if the idea is that your backups next year are going to be Killian Hayes, James Wiseman, and Marvin Bagley, I think it actually makes sense to play all three of those guys together in the starting lineup this year because you can't really bring them all off the bench. You, you kind of need to start Killian Hayes and Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. Otherwise, you're just talking about a starting lineup that has no pop in it offensively. So while I don't agree that Wiseman is the better prospect, I actually think to a certain extent it does make sense that he's starting right now simply because the players that he's playing with are the players he's going to be playing with next year as well. I'm interested to see if you have a different view of that or if that, you know, viewpoint changes anything for you. Yeah. And and there were some people saying like, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's the end of the season. Like just let it, let it play out. Like they want to see what Wiseman can give them. And, you know, I just don't like, I get that you can do that. But also, like, at the expense of Jalen Duran, who has had such a good season. And, you know, for someone who was talked about as being raw and it was going to take time with him, and there was even the speculation of this is a guy that might start the season, might spend some time in that first half of the year in the G League, you know, for him to go out and earn that starting spot, only to have it taken away from him by a guy that wasn't in the rotation on the last team he was on, and... Quite frankly, it's not like he's necessarily outplaying Jalen Duran by, by any stretch of the imagination. It just felt wrong. It felt odd from, from that standpoint. And on the flip side, the whole idea, at least from what was reported uh, of trading for James Wiseman, was, was yes, they wanted to start him, but they wanted to start him alongside Jalen Duran and play Wiseman at the four. And we haven't seen them start a game yet together. We just started seeing them play together on the court in the Denver game. And, you know, that is something that if you do want to start James Wiseman for the last few weeks of the season, like, fine, like, do it. But, like, let's start Jalen Duran too. Because if that really is something that you're interested in, you're really interested in going big like that, then let's try it with those two guys because Duran is your, your starting center moving forward. I don't think it's necessarily fair to him even if these games don't really matter to just be like, okay, you're not starting. Like this is a guy that it's not like he doesn't need the reps. It's not like he doesn't need those, those minutes against the other team's best center, you know, getting those, those scripted plays right at the beginning of the game, playing against those defensively, getting those in offensively. Like I think those things matter, you know, again, again, these, not these stats, they're small sample size. So you can't lean into them too much. Although they're exactly what I would expect if we're being honest, the two-man lineup uh, of Wiseman and Bagley is minus 6.8 uh, in 13 minutes per game, over eight games this season. So the numbers not necessarily supporting that. Um, not that the numbers are much better with Duran and Bagley. They're minus five uh, in the net rating, plus minus. It, it's a, it, we knew that was going to be the case, right? Like we knew Bagley's not a good defender. Duran's raw. Wiseman's not a good defender. He's also raw. Like we knew like the numbers were not going to bear out well for these guys to playing together because a lot of their deficiencies coincide with one another. 
but at the same time, if you're going to try it for a team that has been so outwardly, um, outwardly vocal about what they believe in James Wiseman being and what they want to do with James Wiseman, it feels like, yeah, even though these are the final games of the year, maybe you should find a way to play Duran and Wiseman together. Maybe you should start no. together. I mean, in the two games that they've played together, the minutes are minuscule uh, that they've played together, but they're only a minus 2.5 together. So it's like, I feel like that's something that should be expanded upon more and given more of an opportunity than rolling with Wiseman and Bagley, who are both bad rebounders for their position, who are relatively the same player offensively, have the same deficiencies defensively where they're out of position. They're not you know, necessarily playing the hardest on that side of the court. So that's kind of where my mind's at with it. I, I don't think it's fair to take away from what Jalen Dern has done this year. And again, I'm just not a big believer in Bagley. I'm not necessarily a huge believer in Wiseman, even though he's outperformed my expectations for him so far. Uh, I just don't necessarily love the move, but I was very surprised by that the vocal minority uh, of that tweet where they were like, "Yeah, like Wiseman's the guy. This this really shouldn't even be something we're talking about. Wiseman's the the big of this team's future." Yeah, I mean, me personally, I don't, I don't really get that idea. But I also, yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense of like, look, I think the idea that Bagley and Wiseman and Bagley and Durin being such a radically better pairing than. Durin and Wiseman to me that doesn't make sense like there's there's nothing really to suggest that uh Marvin Bagley is so good at playing power forward compared to how James Wiseman would be at power I mean they they do the same thing like neither guy can shoot neither guy is a great rebounder neither guy defends well in space so the idea that Bagley can play power forward but Wiseman can't that just doesn't click with me um I, i'm totally with you there I, like i said i think it's probably just like a we want to get the guys who are going to be playing together playing together but i also agree with you there too i, I think duran's shown that he's deserved playing time I, I think he's shown that he's been the best big on this roster for the vast majority of the year as well so i, I get what you're saying in that sense um I think for me, what it comes down to, it's kind of the same reason why Killian Hayes got benched for a few games for Alec Burks. I think Dwayne Casey just can't see the team come out and like score 18 points in the first quarter every game. He just wants that offensive pop. And if you're looking at it objectively at this point, Bagley Wiseman does provide you with more offense than Duran and Wiseman or Duran and Bagley would. I think it really is that simple. Fair enough. Fair enough. I thought this was a discussion that we should have. I thought, you know, with how little is going on with the team right now, you know, the games don't matter. A lot of the key players aren't playing. thought this was an interesting discussion um, to have and certainly understand, you know, the, the idea behind it doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it, but I at least can understand. And I think you did a good job kind of playing devil's advocate there. Um, wow. As well. I mean, if I'm if I'm good for anything, hey man, I I followed it up by being the the main character on Pistons Twitter like the very next day. So I I get it, man. Sometimes you're just like, what the hell is going on here? It's, <laughs> a, a, I, it, it's it's crazy. You get people tell it like saying that you're saying things you didn't say. I'm right. sorry. 
got to be able to spin your own narratives. <laughs> I, I did not think that saying that successful NBA rebuilds, generally speaking, don't take six years. Um, I didn't think that that was a controversial opinion, but apparently it is. Um, so whatever. Uh, I, I look, I mean, just look at the amount of teams that they rebuilt for six years. They go, oh, you can look at all the ones that, you know, spend longer and go, oh, well, it took them 10 years to rebuild. Yeah, that's because they did a second rebuild after the first one failed. Right. Like the Orlando Magic. Right, yeah. exactly. That's what the that's basically what the Pistons are doing right now. They failed their first rebuild. Now they're doing the second one. So um I, that to me is I don't know. That just to me is silly. You, rebuilds take, you know, four or five years. Otherwise, you gotta also, blow it up. Completely it changing. We're also completely changing what we've been told of 2023-2024 is the year the Pistons are planning to, you know, make that leap. Like the 2023 offseason, the Pistons are making yes, <laughs> yeah. To, to take that leap the, in that next year and now all of a sudden that's that's changing even though hey that's been the story now since uh you know 2021 when the team added Kate Cunningham it was said, still said hey it's going to be a few years but it's, it's going to be then 2023 that offseason there it is and now all of a sudden no 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 no, no. it's stories being it takes longer they, yeah they need to suck next year too I'm like oh, okay wow. all right okay yeah, I mean, I'm not stupid. That way, hey, look, no, I'm just saying that has worked great for the Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves. It has worked perfectly for them over the last two decades. So, yeah, let's do that. Um, this is what else come through. We could have this discussion for a whole podcast and more, but <laughs> no, we need to talk about something more exciting. RJ Hampton. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a potential key piece for this team moving forward. By the way, <laughs> um, what what do you mean that like? he has the keys to the gym because he's uh opening up the when when the real players go to practice <laughs> i'm sorry that's me. this team is such a joke but okay let's move into a topic that we're not going to spend too much time on this week um there's only so many guys that can really be talked about uh in, in this conversation right now pissing schedule has been a little bit lighter too which has contributed to this but it's our weekly stock report Jasper, you and I are pretty much in lockstep on both sides of the equation here. Again, not a ton of players to really pick from. There's not a whole lot of stuff happening with this team, and there haven't really been any significant performances to, you know, kind of sway and and, and change opinions or have different differing opinions here. But our stock up and stock down picks. What do what do we have this week, Jasper? Oh well, I'll I'll hit us with the the stock up guy because the stock down guy is going to make me sad. Stock up. We have to go with my boy, Rodney Magruder, the scavenger, as I like to call him, McGrissy. Um, I The guy's just been on fire lately. Stretching back to that Indiana Pacers win, uh, he is averaging over his last five games, 15 points, six rebounds, a steal and a half, an assist and a half per game, and he's doing it all on – now, this is the crazy thing. He's shooting 42% from the floor – on 12.8 shots per game, but he's shooting 47% from three on 7.2 attempts. He has hit hit every single one of his five three throws as well. The dude is just, he's killing it right now. He is in absolute flamethrower mode. I'm talking Wayne Ellington, January 2021. Just, the guy can't miss. Uh, And he's been a huge part of the Pistons playing Pretty close games against, obviously, Indiana. They won that one, but also they hung in tight with Denver. They hung in tight with Miami for a long time, uh, and he has been a huge part of that. So I think Rodney Magruder, the scavenger, he is absolutely my stock-up guy for this week. I think he's just been 
awesome. And, and he's shown exactly why he's stuck on this team. When a player is professional, and even if they sit on the bench all year long, they come out and they go off and they play winning basketball and they go about their business. You can't underestimate how important that is to a locker room. And if you think it isn't, just ask Houston. Just ask the Rockets how important guys like that are because they don't have, have any of them. So Rodney Magruder, stock up not just on the court, but in my heart as well. Nothing like watching Rodney Magruder get up 15 shots in a game in the middle of March. It just really doesn't get any better than that. And it shows the, the great future uh, ahead for this team that, we have been sold on. Uh, I guess I'll give our stock down. Uh, it's your Syracuse boy. It's Buddy Bacon. Oh, I mean, no. not too many guys to choose from, right? Not many. You know, we could say the same players week in and week out, but Buddy Beheim just not an NBA player. Like, the Pistons are have tried to get him in, and it's just so obvious how, like, like some guys that are, you know, G League players, like, there's like, okay, this is like, they're they're just one step too slow. Like, they're one level in the game behind the rest of these guys. Buddy Beheim's like four or five levels behind. And it's just so painfully obvious anytime he gets on the actual court. And it's so mean. Like, it's not like it, it but it is what it is. You know, it, it was a joke that the Pistons brought him in uh, on a two-way contract that they would give up uh, one of the two-way slots that, you know, other franchises use to find actual players. You know, not that it's always going to happen, but we've seen it happen numerous times like at this point it would have been better to just keep Luca Garza I don't know this guy's just not an NBA player and it's a shame that nepotism gave him a contract in in the NBA but uh he's not a player it's not going well the Pistons can't really even get him in these games that don't matter in late March because he's just so so far behind the rest of the players in the league Aaron, I am disgusted by this slander you have put on Jim Beheim's youngest son. Here's the fact of the matter, Aaron. Now, Buddy Beheim, he might be shooting 15% from the floor over the last five games. He may be a three-point shooter who is shooting under uh, 15% from three for the season. Uh, that That is all true. Yes, of course. He might be too slow. He might not be able to play defense. He might not be able to pass. He might not be able to shoot. But the fact of the matter is, Aaron, on the season, in his seven games played, the Pistons have a net rating of plus 13.7. That is the best, the best mark of any player for the Pistons who's gotten more than one game. And guess what? That defensive rating while he's on the court, you guessed it. It is a sweet, sweet. 95 nobody better on the team than him Aaron I'm disgusted I'm ashamed um I think that your desire to overlook all this statistical evidence that Buddy Bayheim is a winner and a guy who makes the team better by sacrificing his own personal stats and glory uh, I think you've done him a great disservice and I think you're doing this team a great disservice so I don't agree with you uh, I think Buddy Bayheim is a great American and a great player and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, that's just that's just the the Syracuse brotherhood standing together. So I shouldn't have said anything. That's you know irresponsible. He's playing time. winning basketball. What more do you want? <laughs> hey, numbers <laughs> never lie. Numbers never lie. He is plus two over the last five games. I'm just saying. 
Just they saying. win the they win the minutes he's on the court. I'm just saying. Hey, Buddy Beheim. Yeah, fine. I let's, let's try it. Last couple games of the year, Buddy Beheim, Martin <laughs> Bagley front court. Let's do it. Have some fun yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Hampton and uh, Jared Roden. I mean, that's uh, that's about as as good as it's going to get for this team <laughs> uh, with uh, the last few games this year and the guys that are actually suiting up for him. Okay, let's move into our final topic. A little bit of a shorter podcast this week, but again, there's just not not so much going on with the team. Uh, talking about Eugene Omarui, who just signed a contract today to extend his contract throughout the remainder of the season. Played two ten day con- played through two ten day contracts with the team, and now Detroit has inked him to a deal that will keep him on the roster uh, for the remainder of the season. Tying this in with R.J. Hampton, who also earned a contract. Uh, it's a non-guaranteed deal for next year, so he's you know going to be battling for a roster spot uh, in training camp. Would imagine that Omarui ends up in the same position. You know, part of the the end of the season for the Pistons over the last few years has been giving these guys that come in on ten-day contracts or two-way contracts, giving them that those extra minutes, that extra opportunity and earning contracts to compete for a spot on next year's roster. You know, we've seen it with guys like Tyler Cook. Last year it was someone like Carson Edwards. Uh, you know, on a two-way spot, Luca Garza kind of earned that opportunity playing through Summer League uh, and initially signing a, I believe it was a two-way deal, and then he ended up converting to a standard or something along those lines. But every year we see the Pistons giving these guys an opportunity to come in earn that initial contract, and then fight for roster spots next year. Uh, Now, it hasn't always been successful. In fact, it's mostly not been successful. But you do look at the way that Omarui and Hampton have played so far with Detroit. And, you know, you have to wonder. The the Pistons are going to have some roster spots available next year. Um, This is a team that has a lot of, of room to grow. They need to really find some pieces um, that are going to be a part of that next playoff team whenever that does come for Detroit. Do do guys like Omarui, do guys like Hampton, who are earning these contracts, who are making the most of their minutes, who are playing well, who are playing hard on both sides of the court, like do these guys maybe start to have a chance in your mind of, of potentially sticking with this team uh, heading into next year? Oh, man, I, I have to be honest. I don't think so. If if they're really planning on being better. Um, I, while I really, really like what Eugene Omarui has brought to this team, as well as RJ Hampton, honestly, I think RJ Hampton has done about as well as could possibly be expected of him. I think that while they've both played to the best of their abilities, and in the case of Eugene Omarui, have actually while I facetiously pointed out Buddy Beheim's net rating, like Eugene Omarui has a plus 5.4 net rating on the season, and that's not a coincidence. He has visibly helped the Pistons play better. But a big reason of that is that he is a power forward. He's a true power forward. And the Pistons haven't had a player like that on their roster. So I think you look at him and what he's brought to the team in terms of his cutting, in terms of his ability to post up. He hasn't shot really well, but he's at least been willing to shoot. And I think that everything that he's brought in those facets of the game, as well as defensively, has really just shown 
that's something the Pistons are missing really desperately. And while he isn't necessarily a player that I see sticking on this team long-term as anything more than like the 15th man on the bench or on a two-way contract or something like that, I think what Troy Weaver and what the coaching staff should be looking at is the skill set that he brings to the team and how useful it's been. That being said, he's absolutely earned this contract. He, The Pistons are better when he's on the court than when he's off the court right now, and I don't see that changing for the rest of the season. He absolutely deserves a shot in the offseason, and we'll see. You know, If Hamadou Diallo is going to want $9 million a year, maybe you bring back Omarui in, instead, a, a guy who can actually fit the roster perhaps a little bit more snugly than Diallo does, and also brings you a lot of you know the the little things that he does as well both defensively and offensively if not uh in terms of insane athleticism yeah I think both those guys I think you you kind of said it best for what RJ Hampton is capable of for what Eugene Omarui is capable of I think both of them has, have, have really played about as good as you could have possibly expected um I think it helps that they just play hard right like they don't they can't really afford the you know the the mistake uh, of just kind of giving up on plays not playing as hard because they're not guaranteed that money they're not guaranteed those contracts um so they're playing just at a, a little bit of a, a, a higher intensity than a lot of the other guys are at this point in the season and I think that stands out and you you certainly see it on the defensive end with the way that they compete but like even RJ Hampton who you know these these shooting numbers aren't sustainable by any stretch of the imagination he's not not shown he's a 44 45 percent three-point shooter but you know on two and a half three-point attempts per game he's shooting 45 percent uh over the last 12 games that he's been with Detroit for and you know that that matters like Hampton is playing good basketball right now and you don't want to take that away from from him or, or or from Eugene like I'm glad that they've got these contracts because you know, I don't need to see, and we're still getting it because so many guys are out, but I, you know, I don't need to see Magruder for 35 minutes and Joseph for 35 minutes. And that's, you know, Jared Roden for 35 minutes. Like these guys are playing hard, a little bit more talented. And, you know, at the end of the year, that the team obviously isn't prioritizing, you know, getting guys like Burks on the court, getting them healthy, getting guys like Livers on the court, getting them healthy. Like, a lot of these guys are done for the year. Livers probably comes back here soon. I think he was questionable on the last um, last injury report. But at, at this point, like, does it even matter, you know, how long until he gets hurt again? Uh, these guys are playing hard, and they've earned that right to come into training camp next year and compete for a spot. And like you said, if Diallo wants a bunch of money, you know, what happens, you know, that, that Corey Joseph roster spot opens up. Like, there are there are going to be some roster spots available for, for this team to, to – bring in some new faces and, and do other things with them, what they've currently been doing. So I think both these guys having that opportunity uh, it, it is earned. And, yeah. you know, I'll say, I think maybe one of them could stick around heading into next season. I don't think it's completely out of the equation. I'll say that I've liked what RJ Hampton and Eugene Omarui have given uh, this team enough that I'm very comfortable with keeping one of them as the 15th guy next year. Just it's, it's nice seeing guys that'll play hard. Both these guys have done it, and they've they've had their success on both sides of the court. Well, I think it'll depend what happens with Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley this offseason. And, 
you know, also who the Pistons go after in free agency, the draft, blah, blah, blah. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. But Omarui is a guy I, I could see sticking around. Like, they they don't have power forwards, period. Like, they don't have a real power forward on the roster other than him. And he is one. So if they don't end up, you know, signing two guys this offseason who are power forwards, or they end up moving on from one of Bagley or Stewart, I could absolutely see there being a place for him. You know, especially if Isaiah Livers, you know, he's, is he a power forward? Yeah, he's kind of a small forward, blah, blah, blah. They have kind of different skill sets as well. So I could absolutely see Omarui sticking around. At worst case scenario, what this is, is a really good showcase for both guys to get a contract, even if it's not in the NBA, get it somewhere else where they can make some good money. I think somebody like Derek Walton Jr. last year who came in for the Pistons and really played well. He didn't play himself into an NBA contract, but he played himself into an NBL contract and won the, you know, their equivalent of the finals MVP over there. So I I think that at the very least, it's going to make your team more watchable this season. And, you know, it's good professionally for those guys. So, yeah, I'm happy to see it, especially for Omarui. Like, I really think he's earned this contract. So I'm I'm happy for him. Well, the Pistons have nine games left this year to – Continue to see what Omarui and Hampton can offer uh, to this team. Jaden Ivey's back in the fold for the Pistons. He was out, you know, with, uh, I believe he had COVID. He just came back a couple games ago. That was against Denver that he returned. It's good to see him back. Hopefully Isaiah Livers is back soon. Jalen Duran sounds like he is probably going to play on Friday night. So hopefully we see a lot of these guys that, that might be on the team next, you know, like, might be a part of this team moving forward. Ivy, Livers, Duran, Wiseman. Like, hopefully we get to see them play together, like, <laughs> over these last nine games. One thing that I really want to see is I want to see a lineup that includes Jaden Ivy, Isaiah Livers, James Wiseman, and Jalen Duran. I don't know who the fifth guy in that lineup is. I know it's probably Rodney Magruder. Maybe it's Killian Hayes. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. look, I want to see – a, the last few guys who are going to be on this team next year on the court together, getting minutes together, getting reps together, building chemistry together. Not that it builds over enough to where it matters next year, but just to guess, give us a glimpse of what the remaining guys that are playing can look like and that they do matter to this, this team's future moving forward. Because like I am very high on Jaden Ivey. I'm a big believer in Jalen Dern. If Isaiah Livers could stay healthy, this is a guy that we were talking about potentially being the starting power forward for the team this year. So there is some potential there. There is promise there. I want to see these guys play together. I don't know if we get it over the last nine games. It seems like there's always someone hurt. We haven't necessarily seen a ton of Wiseman, Dern, and Dern play together. But that is something that, selfishly, I'm hoping that we see to, to end the season. Uh, not that, you know, it, it's really going to matter, but I do think it'd be nice because these lineups of, Corey Joseph, Rodney Magruder, Eugene Omarui, uh, RJ Hampton, like it, it just Buddy Beheim, it, it just wears on you. It, it makes it, it makes it very hard to watch. So, over nine games, you got nine opportunities to get all those guys on the court together and play them together at once. Please, Dwayne Casey, make it happen. Yeah, let let Jalen Duran throw more lops. That's that's my last thought on the matter. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. A little bit of an odd show because, again, not a whole lot to talk about. But, Jasper, thanks so much for joining me. Hopefully we have Mike back next week. Just a few weeks left in the season for the Detroit Pistons. Nine games left to play. We will see what they do over those nine games, and we'll talk about it the rest of the way through here on the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Make sure to use our sponsor, Bet Online for all your sports gambling needs. Use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you back here next week on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.